Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Straight Shooting with Pistol Pete. Today, I have the pleasure to be joined by Yes Network's Nancy Newman. Nancy has been with the Yes Network since 2003 and is currently the lead anchor for Yankees batting practice today, which airs about an hour before first pitch before Yankee games. She is also the host of Yankees Magazine on Yes and can be seen as the host for various Yankees pregame postgame shows as well as Brooklyn Nets pregame and postgame shows. So Nancy, how have you been? Good to see your face. How's everything going? You too, Pete. And clever title, by the way, Pistol Pete, straight shooting. I get it. Nice. <laughs> I got to credit my aunt for that. She came up with it. I can't take credit for it, but uh, oh, credit <laughs> I'm doing okay, you know, following the rules, trying to stay safe and respectful of anyone, everyone. And and all of us, and uh, keeping a positive attitude and hoping things get moving in a progressive, safe, healthy way for everybody. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, just doing the same things that everyone else is doing. I've been out of the house a little more lately. I'm just trying to get out more. It's been nice. So, you know, wearing my mask when I go outside and uh, go to the grocery store. Uh, my girlfriend and I have gone for walks every day. It's nice out around our block. It's a really nice little quiet area where we live. So not too much commotion. And, you know, we avoid people uh, who are walking on sidewalks and stuff like that. So it's a little different, you know. You try to make sure you're cognizant of, you know, staying away and making sure you're staying safe. So uh, everything's good over here. Just hoping we can get back to baseball and sports here soon as uh, – we get yeah. the summer here, so it'd be nice to watch them live. When I was out on my jog earlier this morning, I've never seen so many squirrels and chipmunks in my whole life. <laughs> they are everywhere, everywhere. I'm thinking, man, it's your world now. Like, wow. And I just say hi, buddy, to each one I see. And I'm thinking, okay, it's their turn right now. So I had one stare me down on the sidewalk the other day. My <laughs> girlfriend. On our walk, he was on the sidewalk and we were getting closer to him and he was just eating, I guess, I don't know what he was eating, but he was just staring me down and I was waiting for him to move and he, you know, it took him a while, but he finally moved, so. It's true, uh, it's You true. guys scared him a little bit. But I was, I was waiting for him to move for a while and he just stood there, so I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> I, yeah, I get it. I, I walk right by and I'm thinking, okay, they're gonna scatter because I'm getting close. <laughs> Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less, just keep on going, all right. Too funny, too funny. All right, so I want to start off here. Uh, you Before, yes, you started with, you were at CNN from 1992 to 2002, so pretty much a whole decade worth of years. What do you remember most about your time there? What are the most valuable experiences you gained and, you know, how did it help you get to the Yes Network? Yeah, the first uh, chapter of my life, I feel like I grew up there. What an amazing experience in so many ways, and in retrospect, even more so. I don't know if you've ever been to the CNN headquarters in Atlanta. It takes up a four block radius. Wow. Turner Sports was in the same building at the same time. There's an additional building, but everyone is basically in the same towers. Okay. And there is something like 10,000 employees, give or take. Of course, accounting for all the various shifts because it is a 24 hour operation. And you did not know who you would see at any given moment from every notable walk of life, whether it be politics, entertainment, uh, government, whatever. And I remember one time I was walking across the bridge because the parking lot was outdoors and you would kind of have to walk over the ramp to get to the building. 
and I was just, you know, scurrying along, <laughs> arriving, you know, young, eager, the whole thing. And I look up right in front of me was Hank Aaron. Wow. I just, and he said, hello. <laughs> Hi, Hank Aaron. He said, yes, how are you? And I said, oh my gosh, I'm Nancy Newman. Nice to meet you. Sports anchor, blah, blah, blah. The most wonderful man. He just stood there because he knew I was a little taken aback, you yeah. know? Yeah. You know, you're not looking, you're running into work and there's Hank Aaron. But um, yeah, you know, I remember the day I saw Tim McGraw in Faith Hill, uh, George W. Bush. Uh, it goes on forever because at CNN headquarters, these people would be guests on various programs, what have you, and you just never knew who you were going to run into. It was super exciting. Very cool. So being a female in the sports broadcasting world is hard to do. There's not nearly as many female broadcasters in the sports industry as males in the sports industry. What were some of, what were some of the challenges you might have faced getting into the sports broadcasting industry, and how did you overcome those challenges? I'm thankful that I didn't think about that stuff when I was starting out. I was just following my heart because if I really thought about it and focused on what would be hurdles I would be faced with, it might have affected me. But sometimes naivete is a beautiful thing. <laughs> so I knew that's what I wanted to be. I knew that's who I was. So I followed my path to the best of my abilities. And I did want to mention one thing before we move on from CNN because it's it's New York relevant too, and you and I talked a couple days ago about some things we might discuss, and this always comes to mind. And it was of course 9/11 after 9/11, September 21st of 2001, mm -hmm. and the return of baseball Braves and Mets at Shea. I was anchoring on headline news that day, as you know. There's various networks, CNNs. CNN Sports, CNN Sports, Sports Illustrated at the time, the Turner Networks, so many. I was anchoring headline news sports, and for 45 minutes that evening, it was just me. During the pregame ceremony, reacting to the pictures, mm -hmm. re remembering seeing Bobby Valentine and Bobby Cox and Tom Glavin and Mike Piazza, all of that, and then Mike Piazza's so incredibly famous eighth inning home run. Right. That day, I will never forget, and it was me that was on shift, and I will have that moment with me forever. So back to answering the early sure. question. Amazing you story. Yeah, it really was. It was an amazing experience, and um, I think the best way to answer that is I didn't know what I would be facing. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful that I didn't think about it very much, but it is present. But it depends on to whom you're speaking as well. Somebody like you, you're okay. <laughs> there is the odd person that perhaps in my definition would be considered old school in thinking. But I think in 2020, we've come a long way. Still a long way to go, but yeah. we've come a long way. Yeah, definitely a long way to go. But yeah, you're definitely right. Uh, we've definitely come a long way. So, oh. How did you get into sports broadcasting? Um, you graduated from University of Toronto with a degree in English, and who was your biggest influence? So how did you get into the sport casting, uh, sports broadcasting? Well, we had season tickets to all the Bills and Sabres games because I grew up in the Niagara region there. And my dad was a sports guy, as was my uncle. And it was just part of life. I didn't really know any different. And my sister and I had all male cousins. We were the only girls. Mm -hmm. So it was all sports all the time. 
We would play sports with them. I was a figure skater when I was a little kid. So I was pretty good. <laughs> I can't skate to save my life. No? No. Have you ever skated? I've tried. It's bad. It's very bad. Why, Pete? Why? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm decently coordinated. I'm pretty, I'm, for a big guy, I'm athletic, but I just, I try to go ice skating with my brother a couple times during the winter, and uh, he's very good, but I don't know. It's very, you see little kids whizzing by me, and I'm like, oh, this is not good. So yeah, I try to hold on to the boards and try to stand up that way, but I do, I, so far, I have not been able to master standing up and skating on skates. So it's uh, a little interesting to watch. Do you have hockey skates? No, I, uh, I just rented skates from uh, the, the rinks. I had a local rinks in Smithtown, and uh, I haven't purchased official pair of skates, though. Okay, all right. <laughs> Maybe all right. I could learn some things from you uh, when talking to you back at Yes. <laughs> okay, deal. <laughs> okay, great. Who was your biggest influence as far as getting into the sports broadcasting world? Um. Uh, I didn't really think about sports broadcasting to begin with because when I was a little kid, you didn't see a lot of women, right? I just knew that I liked sports a lot, but I did absolutely look up to Bob Costas. I thought he was the greatest broadcaster I had ever seen. I still believe that he, he, he's just tremendous and the Al Michaels of the world, people like that. But Bob Costas was someone that I looked at as extremely special. And then when you get a little bit older and then you see a Gail Gardner, that's when the window cracks and there's a few thoughts in the back of your head, but not really still, it wasn't there. When it came for me in terms of becoming perhaps a reality, and still I have to couch it by saying perhaps a reality is, when I started volunteering at a local station and the guys that were 40-ish at the time were assigning me copy to write, whatever it was, high school football, what have you. And they would say, I need 30 seconds of this. I need a minute 30 of that, whatever. I wrote it and I noticed that they were going on air. It was a local station exactly reading word for word what I had written. They didn't edit anything. Then I was 19 years old. I thought, okay, so I know that I'm writing well. My brain thinks well in terms of knowing what 30 seconds is and telling the story in the time allotted, etc. And then a forward-thinking general manager there at the time, never forget him, he said, why don't you go out and do some college football next weekend? Okay, I can, I'll do that. <laughs> so I did, and I came back and I edited it myself, you know, with buttons and the whole thing, old school. And he said, next time you go out, do a stand-up. So I did a stand-up. And I thought, goodness, my brain is working. I can put this all together and it's not... It's just coming naturally. And then the next step was he wanted me to do an anchoring tryout. Again, I wasn't really thinking about it because I was just interning. When I really believed it is when I started to do my very first shot sheet. I had taken some hockey highlights that the guys had written for the actual show. Mm -hmm. And I just sat in after the fact and we just recorded it. And I just could do all the highlights like I had done them myself. Wow. So obviously that's when I knew, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I wanna kind of switch gears a little bit from Yes Network. You were part of the Olympics coverage in 2004 for NBC uh, when it was in Athens, Greece. What was that experience like? That had to be really cool for you. 
bucket list stuff, complete bucket list stuff. And talk about full circle, Bob Costas, of course, the lead anchor, right? So there he is. Seeing him, Katie Couric, at the dinner table at night, <laughs> you think to yourself, what am I doing here? But it, it was wonderful. So many things stand out. My professional highlight was being at the starting line of the Women's Marathon, live on NBC, back and forth. That was incredible. You take in the moment and you really look around and you're wearing the NBC Olympic provided uniform and you're part of that team. And everyone wants to cover one Olympics in their lifetime when you're in our business. Most of us do. I got to do that. And I also remember how incredibly gorgeous Greece is. I'd never really seen it. I had been overseas once as a kid with my family to Europe, but it was so beautiful. I remember one time a rap party, it was a Sports Illustrated rap party one night, Michael Phelps, everyone they're there and it was an outdoor dining area built right over the Mediterranean. Wow. Just a scene out of a movie. You couldn't draw it up any more beautifully. And there we were. So there's some of the scenic highlights and the professional highlights and getting to work with, and again, learning from the greats. As I said, I feel like I grew up at CNN. I watched Nick Charles and Fred Hickman, etc. you know, and then to see the NBC folks do their thing. When you watch the best at what they do, you're smart to take a look and learn. Very cool. How I, Athens is, or Greece in general, is one of the places I've wanted to go. I've been to Italy, I've been to Paris, I went to the London series uh, oh. last year, but Greece is the top of my bucket list, so I'm glad that as, I've heard from other people, it's as beautiful as everyone says it is. So, so beautiful. My sister and her husband went there on their honeymoon a few years back, and I was so jealous reliving some of that time that I had, but I was so glad that they got to experience it too. Love every minute, yeah. So switching back to yes, Yankees batting practice today, you're the lead anchor, like I mentioned in the beginning. When did that show come about? I'm not sure if it was right in the beginning when Yes Network started. I think it maybe took a little bit of time. And then how did it become that you were going to be the leader of that broadcast? It was in existence, I believe, from the get-go. And Audi, wonderful sponsor, taking care of business with that. We always had the hour-long pregame set up. It's a wonderful experience. Growing up a Yankee fan, Niagara region is very much Yankee country. Mm -hmm. Make any bones about that? It, big time Yankee country over there. It is New York State after all, you right. know, uh, Western New York indeed, but New York State. And uh, so coming to the Yankees was something that felt like home for me. I really always wanted to be in New York. I kind of knew in the back of my head, even when I was a little kid, that New York would be home somehow, some way. Just a feeling. The batting practice show is special. I love it so much because I'm naturally kind of enthusiastic. I can't help it. It's part of my personality. <laughs> but I also love what I do and I love the Yankees and I love sports. So it's hard to keep a lid on it for me. So pregame suits my personality beautifully because I'm so genuinely excited for what's ahead. Right. I remember one teacher saying back in high school because I was so excited to go home one day to watch the World Series, you know, oh my gosh, I can't wait. And he said, you know, it, who's going to watch the World Series tonight? Some people put up their hands, some not. 
And I thought, gosh, I'm so excited. And he said, for all of you that aren't going to watch, I feel sorry that you don't feel the excitement. I thought, yeah, that's it. You don't feel it. You don't get to feel this. You know, right. you chose this, right? Oh yeah. I mean, when I was in, it was funny. Like I was, I guess all the kids got excited when I was in like elementary school or middle school when the World Series was taking place. But the most fond memory I had when I was younger was the Aaron Boone game. And I fell asleep because I don't, at the time it was 2003. So I was just turned 10. I just turned 10. Um, so I had school the next day um, and I fell asleep. And it was funny to story it because my dad was still awake watching it. My mom, I think mom went to bed and he hits the home run and my dad wakes us up. He's screaming out the front door. Um, yelling at the top of his lungs, and then obviously I had to wake up, and then I watched it, you know, on replay of what happened the next day. My neighbor from across the street, was that you? I thought someone was getting murdered. I was going to call the cops. It was that was one of my fondest memories of growing up, and um, you know, and I think that was yeah, it was in that elementary school. So uh, you know, that was uh, something I'll never forget. Even though I didn't really see the moment, I was able to wake up and then. Uh, experienced that so that was a pretty funny story <laughs> great going by your dad to wake yeah. you guys up to make sure that you got to share in the moment oh, yeah. yeah i don't know if he did it by mistake or accident because i think he just yelled and wasn't even really thinking about uh <laughs> thinking about waking us up for it but he did by just you know screaming outside so uh but that was a moment you know like i said i'll never forget um in this deep sleep or i don't know if i was in deep sleep but uh waking up and seeing that and then <laughs> you know like I said, the next day, my neighbor was flipping out when she heard him from all the way across the street. And then, uh, yeah, the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> you were 10, but we were already there working it. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it was every bit as amazing as yeah. you can imagine. So, Yankees Magazine is an awesome show. Uh, one of my favorite shows, I got to be honest, on the Yes Network, uh, Yankeeography being another one. But Yankees Magazine is cool because you get a chance to go a little bit behind the scenes and out into the community and see different various parts that you might not see just by watching a ball game. Uh, what's your favorite part about hosting that show and getting a chance to uh, kind of show people a different side of things? That was well put, Pete. Exactly right. The batting practice show and the pregame and the postgame, they focus on the game day experience, X's and O's a little bit of uh, previewing, that sort of thing. Yankees Magazine is completely different. It's so special in, in its own way. I love being there at the ballpark on a non-game day. That is special. It feels like a privilege even still to this day. And the kinds of conversations you can have with the guys on an off day or early in the day when no one else is yet there, mm -hmm. that's when you get candid communication and establish relationships, which in turn help you do your job in a better way. Because you get some insight and you get to know the guy and he trusts you or not. And the coaches, same thing. Right. It's its own unique experience and it's a more private, more personal experience. And the guys that work on the show with me, mm -hmm. they're amazing. The producers, they are fantastic. They are so talented. They are expert editors as well. They make everything look beautiful. They share in the love. So it's a very much a team atmosphere and it's the joy to work on it together. 
So you've interviewed countless number of athletes over the course of your career. Is there one in particular or two that had some, you know, really amazing stories that you really enjoyed talking to? Well, there's two, and I've told this story, both stories before, but they are the two that stand out the most for me. There are a lot of experiences, but the first time that I had to go grab an interview with Wayne Gretzky, mm -hmm. uh, you're kidding me. This is my first hockey assignment, and you want me to get Wayne Gretzky? Can I please start down here? <laughs> no. So I get there and they're all working out and I see him and I go up to him and I introduce myself and I say to him, I please need you just for five minutes. And he said something like, okay, um, nice to meet you, Nancy, but um, I have to go on the bike right now. So I'll catch you in about 10 minutes. And I thought, oh my God. So I just, <laughs> what am I going to do? I can't go back without him. I'm a failure. It's never going to happen. Oh no, what now? So I thought, okay, let's just at least get a couple of other guys. So I remember going after Steve Eiserman, trying to get somebody. It was all-star stuff. And uh, a few minutes later, I hear someone, hey, Nancy, Nancy. And I turn around and it's Wayne Gretzky waving me over. No. Let's do it. Like, oh my gosh, got it. So he didn't he didn't blow me off. <laughs> he came back to me. Amazing. So thank goodness I came back and you know I nailed it. That was good. And then the second experience was Don Mattingly, uh, coach on the Yankees. And I'm in the clubhouse and I had you know, I, I mean I have pictures of myself wearing Mattingly t-shirts, etc., sitting in the stands and all that stuff. Mattingly was my guy. Mm -hmm. I know I'm not alone in that. No. And in the clubhouse waiting for him, it was the day that I knew that I had to speak with him. And I had my back to where he eventually came out of in the clubhouse. And I turned around and there he was. And I hesitated for just a moment. And I said, hi. And he said, hey. He said, are we doing that interview? And I said, yes. He goes, okay, let's do it. And I said, forgive me, I'll just get this out now. You're my guy, just add me on the list of a million people that are on that list. Just put my name on it and we can move on. <laughs> he was great. Awesome. So growing up, uh, who was your favorite athlete and someone you really enjoyed watching? And then going off of that today, in today's era or the last, you know, maybe five to 10 years, who have you really enjoyed watching? Uh, as kind of like a fan or when you watch the Yankees broadcast or any kind of broadcast, whether it be, you know, NBA or NHL, is there any athlete that really stood out to you? Well, those two, Wayne Gretzky and Don Mattingly, clearly. I also had a soft spot for Bobby Mercer in a big way. Meeting him was wonderful because he was everything and more. I liked Dorothy Hamill when I was a kid as a little figure skater. I looked up to her. It's okay, it's the truth. <laughs> I'm still proud of it. <laughs> uh, and Pete Sampras, I liked him too. I liked Pete Sampras a lot. I thought he was, uh, he just conducted himself in a way that I respected. And in the current day, there's several. Did you watch The Last Dance, Pete? Amazing, amazing I'm documentary. And one of the best I've ever seen. The OJ one that ESPN did a couple of years back was also spectacular, but this was just so captivating and I loved every second of it, watched every minute of it. It was, I never saw Jordan play. I was too young. Never really. I mean, I saw yeah. at the end of his career, I guess a little bit with the Wizards, but 
to see how just talented he was and how he galvanized his team and how competitive he was. Yeah, he might seem like a little bit of a jerk after that from hearing how he treated some of his teammates, but he just wanted to be the best player ever. And he wanted to be better than the next guy. And I think he accomplished that without a doubt. Um, but yeah, it was really well done. And the Will Purdue's of the world who came out and said, in retrospect, they realized he was just trying to make everybody better. And when you win, you all win. But reliving that era was something else. And looking at how things are today, some things are better, some things not so much. And how do you judge? I was not a Bulls fan in any way. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't love it. I didn't love all the winning that they did. I'm mm -hmm. not a Chicago person, but you could not help but respect it, of course. And the documentary, absolutely incredible. I could have watched another 10 hours, right? Oh, no doubt. I wish that I wish it was 20 episodes as compared to 10 episodes. I mean, it, yeah. it, it could have been better. And I did watch part one of Lance Armstrong. I am going to watch part two as well. I did as well. And I am not a big Lance Armstrong guy just because the thing that really bothered me about him, I mean, he, you know, he overcame a lot. He had obviously had testicular cancer and he raised a lot of money for his charity. The thing I didn't like, he did the Oprah interview late in the 2000s, early 2000s, I think it was. And it was saying that he admitted to suing people who were trying to quote unquote defame him by saying he did drugs and he was suing yeah. those people knowing that they were telling the truth. That's why I didn't like it. So I was skeptical about watching it. And I watched it the other day. I mean, so far, I thought the first thing was, you know, it was really well done also. Sometimes you just have to, we, we don't know what it's like to walk in these people's shoes. Right. We don't know why they do something that they do. You got to stay away from judging, just kind of, learn i guess from mm -hmm. their respective roads and he's certainly one of them he he's different someone like alex rodriguez has completely remade himself oh, yeah. right and talks about it openly and there's nothing he won't talk about i saw him recently i do i'll always have a soft spot as well for um alex and derek because those early years for me in the yankees clubhouse when i arrived in oh two or three and I was in the, that was part of my job duty, the clubhouse reporting before I came a full-time anchor pretty much and reporting with Yankees Magazine. Being in the clubhouse, John Flaherty was my go-to guy back in those days. <laughs> Come on, tell me something about Moose. Tell me something good. He was always so accommodating and I knew he'd go into television. But yeah, Alex, he approached his journey in a totally different way. So I find them all an interesting study and I try not to judge. So I'll hit you with some final last, you know, quick hitting questions that are not uh, sports broadcasting related. Uh, okay. So you've been, we've all been in quarantine since, I guess, March or whatever it's been now, and we're about to enter June. What have you been doing personally to keep busy? Anything differently that you were doing now as compared to what you do on a daily routine? You kind of keeping some things the same. I know obviously you can't do certain things as far as go to the gym and they're not open, but... Anything differently you've been doing? Well, thankfully, I'm okay with my own company. <laughs> I don't really go too stir crazy. I'm pretty good at staying in the moment, 
I miss our world terribly. Mm -hmm. I miss the stadium. I miss you guys. I miss my teammates. I miss everything that we do. We chose this because we love it. I go for a little jog every single day. Run, jog, run, jog, walk, run, jog, walk, run, jog, walk. I'm not a marathoner by any stretch, but I try. <laughs> and I make sure I do some form of exercise every single day. So I try to keep myself busy. And the good part has been that I talk to my mom every single day. So that's really, really, really nice. I've enjoyed getting to know my mom in a more intimate way now that she's in her 80s. I'm enjoying every moment. My dad died when I was 20. So having her and being able to talk with her every single day, my sister and her husband live very close to my mom. So that's been a highlight. And talking to some friends, catching up with some friends and cleaning up some relationships, things like that. How about you? Yeah, just really doing the same kind of thing. I mean, a lot more time to communicate with you know, maybe some long lost friends that I haven't talked to in a while or just catching up on a lot of Zoom calls, definitely for sure. Um, Zoom never knew what Zoom was before this whole thing happened and uh, been using Zoom a lot. We had a nice family Zoom uh, a couple of months ago or about a month ago. Um, my family in Florida, my family in Jersey, um, all over the place. So it was good to see everyone's face there. I think it's just giving people a time to just spend more time with people who you know, me and my girlfriend, uh, she's home doing uh, work from home every single day. And we kind of have opposite schedules because she works during the day and I'll be you know, working the night. Go ahead. What does she do? She's a paralegal in uh, New York City at a law firm. So she, uh, she's been staying home and she hasn't had, a chance, had the opportunity to commute in a while, which is good because uh, that could be a nice little trip. Um, and she saved money that way. But it's nice having her home and spending more time. We spent like I said, a lot of time together going on walks, like I mentioned earlier. Um, and just that, I think that time is really crucial. I think for both, you know, your own sake and then, you know, for your family's sake too. You don't realize that, you know, when your life gets in the way and you're so busy sometimes, you kind of lose track of, you know, what's really valuable. And I think if there's a silver lining in this whole craziness that we've been going through is that, that right there as far as you kind of get a chance to communicate with people who you might not have a chance to uh, for a while when you're so busy and doing so many different things. Really true. We're all caught up in our world and we don't get to the relationship part of it with people a lot of the time. And we did a Zoom with Reggie Jackson not that long ago, maybe about a month ago. And he said basically that it's a chance to pause and reassess and Nothing will ever be exactly the same moving forward, but I guess that's the grand plan, evolution, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully we get back to normal soon. Hopefully yes. these baseball players <laughs> and owners can uh, reach some type of agreement here in the next week or so, and we can get back to broadcasting games and watching the games. I said to a bunch of the different guys I've interviewed, John and, and Bob and I think I mentioned to Ryan too, Ryan Rucco. Uh, you can only watch so much marble racing or axe throwing or cornhole on ESPN. So I need to watch something <laughs> live. Uh, the golf tournament was pretty cool, I gotta say. Cool, right? With Tiger and Brady and uh, Phil Mickelson um, and Peyton Manning. So all those guys, that was pretty cool though. Getting a chance to have to see them mic'd up and watching that 
as a chance to watch something live for a change. I can't do NASCAR though. I can't, I can't get behind that, but I could do golf. I can't do NASCAR though. <laughs> All right, Nancy, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. I'm glad that you're doing well and hopefully I'll see you soon at the studio and all the best uh, moving forward here. Thank you, Pete. A pleasure to visit with you. Nice to see your face, at least virtually. And yes, hopefully we'll all get to see each other again in person very, very soon. Stay safe. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Nancy.